Greetings, superstars. Welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. I'm Danny Katz, transformation agent, empowered badassery coach, and quantum languaging consultant. And I'm so happy you're here. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated version of yourself. We do this by sharing quantum languaging upgrades, conscious communication tools, witchy life hacks, planetary service announcements, and high-vibing, deep-diving conversations with original thinkers, visionary weirdos, and rebel badasses. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. <laughs> Be sure to hit that subscribe button and to join us on Locals at dannycats.locals.com where you can watch the video versions of all our episodes including those that are a little bit too spicy for the non-free speech friendly platforms. And it's also where paid subscribers can tune into the second half of all my interviews and enjoy a plethora of other bonuses, including live monthly Q&As, unpublished writings and videos, and behind the scenes intel. Join our quickly growing tribe of high vibe superstars at dannycats.locals.com. Okay, now that we've got all our housekeeping out of the way, let's enjoy today's episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Michael Wan, who I have not met in person, but and have been blessed to do a couple episodes, a couple podcasts with. I think we're up to three now. This maybe this is our fourth. Anyway, I'm here with Michael Wan coming to us from Maryland, where he will swiftly be taking his exit. Michael, how are you? I'm doing well. This is a uh, uh, a nice ending for a beautiful day today. It's like eight o'clock my time. We can see the sun starting to go down, and this is going to be a, a this is a conversation I've been looking forward to. So I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. Ooh, well, I'm curious why you're looking. Any specific reasons why you're looking forward to this conversation? Um, you're an interesting person, so I want to see what happens. I've been doing my research on you and it seems like you have conversations with interesting people on the regular. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So, so I, th that's one of my favorite things. I think I do this very well. I put things into context. Like I can see a situation or a person or a thing and I can very easily like, okay, what, what is the continuum of what that exists in? So you have an understanding, like, is this rare? Is this like, you know, mundane? you know, I always like a point of reference. So you're absolutely right. I talk to regular, I talk to interesting people all the time. I'm very, very lucky that way. Yep. And that being said, uh, yeah, this is the conversation I was interested in having. Cool. Yay. Um, well, I've been doing my research on you and there's, there is interconnection between our tribes and to catch the viewers up to speed. Can you give us kind of the lay of the land as to your magic, your genius, your very <laughs> unique perspective on our reality construct? Uh, so 
I think what I what I, when I practice well or, or what I'm I'm recognized for doing because I'm not a one trick trick pony despite despite maybe any sort of none of us are it is uh, Gonzo synchromistic research storytelling where I'm able to tie together things that normally are not tied together in a way which is just too logical not to tie together and it's intermingling anything that could be pop culture uh the news but always my life as well that's the gonzo piece of it like you know i'm not out of the story i'm in the story so that's kind of what what i would say i do um but but to give something to give a little bit of meat to that bone um so can I tell a, can I tell a story? Please. All right. So th this Your is the nice setup. So this will explain this set, the, the, the Baltimore, where we brought up the Baltimore. So um, probably about five years ago, I, I, I became uh, recognized in a larger area because I started telling the story, which I called the Susquehanna mystery. And the long and the short of it was just showing how the oldest river on the planet, which no one's ever heard of, happens to be where the first of everything took place. The first computer, the first electrical distribution, the globalism, it all begins on this river no one's ever heard of. And I find out that I'm living on the river and I find all these maps and like, it's this fascinating story. So it begins with that. It's got like a lot of like Rosicrucian, and Freemason and like uh, all like Francis Bacon touches everything you can imagine. It was great, great. And all like bulletproof, like everything I say, you could go and verify like that is true. That is true. So that had, uh, when I first started telling that story, like people thought I was insane. They thought I was nuts. They're like, what? Like, like I just like too many details. I was telling all the people like in the area where I was living, but then eventually I told it enough times to enough people that it began to get a little bit of weight. And then over a couple of years, like it started growing. Uh, I started doing that with other things, but that was always where I began. And this, this fast forward, that was like, you know, the last five years. So fast forward to about like six months ago. And, um, you know, I'm moving towards my sixth, my 50th, I almost said 60th, my 50th birthday. I turned 50 on December 2nd last year. And I started like feeling, you know, just like stuff. And I'm wondering, I'm like, you know, what, what is this? Is this like normal, like turning 50? Cause I'm not like an a, a number kind of guy, but I'm recognizing I'm responding. There's something which is happening inside of me, which just like, I don't know, like I wasn't interested. I just wasn't like my normal zest wasn't there, I suppose. My curiosity for life was not there and started to build and started to build and started to build. And what's funny was I also knew that there was an eclipse which was gonna happen on my 50th birthday. And I do a lot with astrology and, and, and I love to break down and say like, this is why astrology is bullshit and this is where it's real. And you're too many people to look at the bullshit, but that's another topic. So I know that my birthday's coming up and I'm like, is this what I'm feeling? Am I, you know, like I'm, I'm looking at it from all the perspectives. And then three days before, three days before my birthday, that's the email. That's the noise you get on the computer when you get the email. And I get an email and I look at it. And the email says, Dear Mr. Wan, we are members of a very, very top secret free Masonic secret society in, in the Pennsylvania area. And we love your research. We are having our annual meeting at such and such time at such and such place. And we would like to have you come and present to our illustrious group. Signed, Brother So-and-so, 33 degrees. And I'm like, 
how do I sit with this? How do you sit with something like that? Because like I came full circle. The reason I began the the, telling you the story with the Susquehanna mystery was because um, it, it kind of began with me being like looked at like nuts. And eventually it went this full circle where the very group which I'm exposing invites me into their lair and let me tell them, you know? So all of that, I'm, I'm like, but I'm like, but these are the bad, like everything that could go on. And I'm still feeling all of this, like, oh, you know, I'm losing interest. And all of that's going on in this blender inside of me. So, you know, the, the had my birthday, I had a beautiful birthday. Uh, I had a surprise party. First time a surprise party was ever thrown for me. And I, I, I had no idea. I had no friggin' idea. So that's another thing. Christmas goes by. And then I'm just like, I wake up one day. It was December, or it was, it was November 27th. I received the invitation uh, or maybe 29th. And the date of the, um, the date of the presentation or the, the meeting, it was already predetermined and that was January 27th. And about two weeks before that, and I'd, I'd worked on the presentation. I was really kind of excited. Like, you know, what am I gonna do? Who's gonna be there? Like playing all these sort of things of what's gonna happen. And I wake up one morning and I just kind of feel, I feel a little bit off. Like I've been in an off season, but now I'm feeling really off. And I go and I look at that invitation. I just have this like little like, eh, you know, go look at this. And I look closely and I see something. I see something I haven't seen before. And uh, right, before, right before they introduced COVID to the world, this is February 28th. I think it was 2019 was when that happened, uh, was released a presentation I gave on the higher side chats. And it was called the, the um, occult or the esoteric uh, sacrifice of Kobe Bryant or something like that it was all, this was right after Kobe Bryant. And in that presentation, that's probably like one of the bigger platforms I, I, I've had the, you know, the pleasure to be upon. Um, I really like to prepare for those sort of shows. And so this was an, a great presentation. And I, the, the gist of it was the fact that Kobe Bryant, if you recall, died in a helicopter crash. And the only other like really well-known helicopter crash I know of happened over Kobe Bryant's high school 30 years ago. And I, I from there, like I turned in this beautiful like skull and bones and 57 and John Hines and all this. And embedded in this letter. Well, the first thing I noticed was, oh, the presentations on Kobe Bryant's, uh, the anniversary of his death. And then I looked a little bit earlier, 57 was a big part of the presentation because in the helicopter that crashed over Kobe Bryant's, uh, Kobe Bryant's uh, school was John Hines of the Hines family fortune, number 57. And I was living in house number 57. It's all like gonzo research. So I worked that into it. And it was exactly 57 days from like when I got my email or the invitation to when the presentation was meant to be. And it just went on and on and on. And I'm like, what do I do with this? Like, I don't really think I'm getting sacrificed, but if I was <laughs> going to get sacrificed, this is how it's going to be. And I'm in this space. I'm in this space where I'm like, I don't like, I'm not feeling comfortable. I'm not feeling like, I don't know, like there's something missing. So I go through this roller coaster that week. I go through this roller coaster that week and I, I, I played out every scenario. Like one scenario, I, I have a friend and this totally surprised me because I told him, I'm like, what do I, Seppi, what do I do with this? Like, you know, I don't really, but what? And he's like, listen, I got a buddy and 
he will know how to get you out. Like you'll meet, and he starts telling me the scenario about meeting at a truck stop and being prepared never to see anyone. And he's like telling me all the skills I'm gonna learn. And I'm like, I don't know if that's my path, but I kind of, like, I'm kind of intrigued, but, but like I'm even looking at that. At the end of the day, I'm like, I'm like if I'm gonna get sacrificed, I'm gonna get sacrificed on my feet. So I go, I give the presentation, I gave the normal presentation, then I flipped the script and I basically said, hey, look at all this sort of stuff. You like the way my mind works. I'm like, look at the invitation. A lot of people don't trust your organization. So let me ask you, fellas, am I gonna, are you here to, 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 to ritualistically sacrifice me? And they all just start laughing. They're like, we would never tell you or something like that. And I go and I make like this whole big speech and I'm like, well, I don't think it has anything to do with you because this is only the only person in the entire world who would be able to understand what was embedded in this is me. And this is between me and whoever's writing the script. And you gentlemen are the symbol of the ultimate initiation in our culture. And so it is my honor to be initiated in front of you. And so I took a bow and like, you know, that was the whole thing. Come home the next day and it's like, my personal life, the, 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 the shit hits the fan. Okay. And it wasn't completely out of the blue. Like, as I told you, like, I was kind of like, it ain't, it's not always easy being with someone like me. And so, but that was the day and the long and the short of it was out of a bunch of very, very serendipitous circumstances I found myself here in this house. I didn't know the person, or I met the person once. He, uh, I did a, he, he came to me for a session for some work and I knew he had some properties and he was like, I got you covered. He's got, a, I got a place, it's furnished. You could just move right in. Don't even worry about it, brother. He's like, there's just one problem. And I'm like, what's the one problem? He's like, well, there's no heat. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, how cold does it get? It's pretty cold. It's the middle of winter. It's February the 2nd. I moved in February the 2nd. And then when I get there, there's, well, there's actually two problems. Like there's no heat, but because it's so friggin' cold, we turn off the water because we don't want the pipes to burst. So there's no water either. There's no heat and there's no water, but it's the most beautiful house with the most amazing view in the middle of the hood. And then it turns out that my mother grew up one mile from the house. My, I call my mom and I'm like, mom, because my family's from Baltimore. I'm like, where'd you grow up, ma? What's your address? And she gives it to me and I put it in the computer box and it shows me the map and it's one mile away from where I sit. And I start going through like, there, I'm not gonna go down the details right now of the family history, but like, there's a lot of things that tie in with like, you know, what makes Mike, Mike. And so I'm brought here by whatever brings anything to anywhere in this perfect timing of this Masonic event. And so the past hundred days has been a period of, of, I mean, it really has been, if you look at an initiation as an event you go through and you are not the same afterwards, like that's what this has been. Like, the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, the most unexpected, serendipitous, most beautiful sort of experiences, the biggest challenges, like, and, you know, I, and I found, and today I, I, I kind of, I put in my resignation, I'm ready to go back and I'm going to go to the most amazing place in, in Pennsylvania, like, but I, I did my, I did my, um, I did my time here and I, I didn't even touch the details of the story here about the mother and all of that. But the reason I'm telling the story and the reason I went through this whole sort of long um, monologue on it was you said like, what is it that you do? And it's like, I tell stories like that. 
<laughs> You're so, I love the, the um, there's like a theatrical quality to it. Like it's so, you, you just execute it so beautifully. So, so many pieces, like one, I love how you open the story with, I'm not into numbers. I'm not a numbers guy. Where I'm like, I think the, the, the handful of conversations we have, there's always multiple references to numbers. <laughs> and- I, it, it wouldn't be the first time I've been called uh, uh, delusional. <laughs> colorful just colorful i like that i like the colorful i like the colorful so are you are you definitely attributing this to what happened at the masonic lodge no i'm just saying i'm saying that's part of i begin i come i come to the you know me personally how i meet this experience of being in human form with ground beneath our feet and sky above our head like anything other than that as soon as you move off of that we begin to move into story time and there's nothing wrong with it but i'm just you know that's where that's the demarcation and i'm very very comfortable just saying like it's a friggin' mystery and right. I don't think you're going to figure it out and I'm not interested in figuring it out, but I am interested in understanding how to interact with it in the most efficient, beautiful, harmonious way. Like that's my modus operandi. So I don't think the, the, the Mason thing, uh, I mean, it's a, I call it the James Shelby Downard uh, vortex. Like you kind of have to go through a bit of crazy to allow it to collapse among itself because there has to be a sense of like what's real and what's not real. And, and you have to not know where, where that line is for certain in order to go to something else. And so mm -hmm. I see however this realm works, that seems to be part of it and that's how that made sense like whether that's mike pre-writing his story in the future the non-linear like or whether it's god's plan or whether they're one in the same like i don't really know i just like recognize it's a thing and i try to i try to be is is um try to walk the path is the best i can you know according to what makes sense to me mm -hmm. i don't know <laughs> I, I'm, I'm holding back the urge to grill you intensely on this Masonic experience. And I'm going to table that. We'll table that because that's always going to be there. That's always going to be there. And I'm incredibly curious about that. Have you always had this synchro mystic perspective on reality? Is it something that you've cultivated over time? Was there like a threshold you crossed that thrust you into this? Um, maybe. So... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, I've all, so once upon a time, like we talked about this beforehand, right? Before we start recording and I was like, oh yeah, I used to work in rested. And the only reason you work in rested is because you're kind of friggin' normal, right? And so there was once upon a time I was kind of normal. Like I was always like on the outskirts of normal, but I was always like, but I was normal. And so in the normal world, um, it would be rare that I would lose a trivia pursuit contest. Like, you know, they've got like trivia games at bars. Like my mind is wired like for trivia. I pay attention to a lot of detail and I remember it. And then also, uh, I think, it was, I can't remember what was called. It was this, this, this institute in, um, in Rockville, Maryland, 
And I think it was called Rockport. That's what it was called, Rockport. And this right around in my late 20s, I went to it and they do a very, very kind of unique form of testing of different types of attributes. And at that time, I was very intrigued. Like, where does someone like me actually fit into reality? Like, I was trying to still fit into like the main world. And you get back the results. And the results were given in um, like percentages, like, you know, uh, anywhere from one to 99th percentage. And it's only based upon the people who've taken the test, which are typically like who would go there would be, you know, very driven, maybe intelligent people, because those are the sort of people who are like, how can I maximize my intelligence for careers? Uh, and so from that, I remember seeing this, like the scores and I scored very high in, um, I think the title or the topic was labeled Di diagnostic reasoning and what it was. And I remember how the test was, I remember taking the test, it would show like four different pictures and you had two seconds to figure out which ones are related and what it identified and what the score shows is the ability to find patterns in things that are not obvious quickly. And I scored off the chart. So when you say like, was there like a thing, like, I think I, I've, I'm wired that way. Like I'm really good with detail and I'm really good at pattern recognition. And at some point those two are going to dance. At some point the synthanasia within, within me is going to go and like mingle it. But that being said, probably around 2004, 2005, that's when I was introduced to synchro mysticism. Um, I started going down like a normal, it began with me uh, real, I mean, this is a funny story. Uh, late, uh, I was still living in DC and I was really interested in, in like money. And I wanted to buy this personal or, or, or go to a library and get this personal finance book. And it was, it's, if you're into personal finance, this is like one of those like classics. And it was called The Richest Man in Babylon. And like, in hindsight, I'm laughing at that title. But at the time, I'm like, yeah, but they didn't have it at the library. But right next to it was a book called The Tao of Money. And that was my first introduction to that type of philosophy, a Taoist perspective. But it was couched in a language which was not threatening to me. It was like couched in like a relationship with money. And as soon as I read it, like truth is self-evident. And so it's like, I'm like, okay, that made sense. That was a threshold moment for me. I was still deep in the system. Uh, I remember when 9-11, that's when I, I quit the corporate world. And I started working for an architect and all that was that point in, in my life. So then fast forward, I got into a lot of conspiracy when I moved up to Pennsylvania, when I moved out of the DC area to Pennsylvania, to Lancaster. And um, I started going down this, I was always interested in conspiracy, uh, psychology, esotericism, uh, practical magic, hypnosis, all of those sort of things have always been an area of interest to me. And then when I first learned of like Goro Adachi and, um, and there were a couple other like early synchro mystics uh, and I saw their work 2004 to 2007, like that's when the stuff started clicking off in my mind. And then um, it wasn't until the Susquehanna mystery, which I think was like 2015, that I really started doing my own research. You're such a great storyteller. Like <laughs> that was so clear. There's such a, a, a smooth trajectory with you. So we both have the gonzo thing in common. 
Um, and it, interestingly enough, it was the Tao Te Ching that from that snapped me out of attempting to be normal. And that was my threshold where I'm like, I'm throwing everything away and going to India. And I'm going to quit trying to fit into this thing. But How old were you when that happened? I was 23. Okay. Yeah. Um, was Hunter an influence on you with the Gonzo piece? Um, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, uh, I found I found much more interesting reading about him from a conspiratorial perspective and adrenochrome and all of that. Like I was always more interested in the I, I like the backstory more so than the primary story. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember reading Hell's Angels. Did he write Hell's Angels? Yeah. And uh, I think there was something else I read. Um, and that would be back in my in my normal life. I'll call that the rest in life. I didn't live in rest, but I worked in rest. Same thing. I, and you, and when I look back, I work at like the earliest technology companies. Like I worked, my office was literally in the same building as what's known as May East. And this is back in the nineties. This was in Tyson's corner. And part of that is what a lot of my research really gets into like understanding technology from a, 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 kind of like a mystical, magical way, but incredibly logical and hands-on because I've been in that world. Like, like I know those companies, I've worked there. Um, the, the, the stories that I could tell you about that and how it overlaps with like all of the, like in QTEL and, and all of these things, like, like I'm one degree of separation from that and somehow that birthed this. But yes, the Dao De Jing was, was a very, I can even remember this. I can remember being in elementary school. So this is probably like, you know, late seventies. And I remember a kid, I was like, a I was maybe like fourth grade and he would have been sixth grade. And he had, do you remember the, I, I think it was like, a, and I'm in Maryland. So you were in California. Um, but in Maryland, the idea of the, the brand, I think it was a surfboard brand or it was a skateboard brand, but it was town and country. And their symbol was a yin yang. And I can, I can remember as an elementary school child, like stopping in my tracks and seeing that. And I just thought it was like a cool symbol, but like that was part of like, just as what, what feels very similar to what you said, how it knocked you off of your path. Like there is a resonance in my, in my personal story where I'm like, I can go back to some of my earliest memories. And I know that was part of like the, whatever that is that did like something to me. Yeah. It's so interesting how these, these events that can seem so tiny, you know, for, for both of us, it was a book can just shift everything. At the time I was producing a documentary for a guy and he gave me the book. And I, I left in the middle of the production. I was like, I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> but I love that you brought up InQtel because that's uh, that leads me into my ulterior motive in having you on. So when I decided right. to do a podcast, I knew I wanted to have you on. And the gist is best case scenarios and solutions, which we'll table. And I do want to get into with you. And as you know, Emily Moyer and I do a show as you do a couple shows with Emily and we are in the process of unpacking this mystery behind Santa Fe Institute and InQtel was one of the clues that took me to it. 
So I'm curious to know before I get into the through line with you, like what is the deal with InQtel and what is your what is my connection with InQtel? Yeah. All right. So um uh, I move up to I move up to Washington DC area. This is probably like 95, 96. I was living in Richmond before that. And I'm uh mid-20s. And um somehow I get this job with and I think it started as a temp job. And and keep in mind, like I came from I came from a, a like a, a college experience of all of my friends and the entire quality of the college uh, was uh, hyper overachieving. Um, like that was that was the value. And I'm like, and I was fr- like, I had a wonderful time in college. I took the same classes, but that was never me. And so like everyone's like really like committed to career. And I'm just like, you know, I moved up to DC and I was a temp somewhere. And that temp work was at this company called Telligent. And somehow intelligent, uh, then I, I parlay that, that temp job to like, suddenly like three years later, I, I was, I had a responsibility or at least a title, uh, which someone with 20 years experience would have like from that corporate world, like I made some pretty big jumps really fast. So that company was called intelligent and intelligent was, if we go back in time to like the, the mid nineties and we have like the, the dot-com boom and like the birth of the internet and the, there was a beginning, like what was being sold into the minds of, of all of the, the, the regular folk who are like, you know, Harvard MBAs who want to go and work for like a fortune 500 company as a product manager it's like quit your job and go work for a startup like that was a thing do you remember when that was like a thing it all began with one person and it began with one person his name was alex mandel 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 or mandel i'm getting you confused with the country western singers who are those like barbara mandel is that do you know who i'm talking i think it's but I'm getting confused with like Mandela effect. Mandela right, right. Effect. The guy, so the guy literally just died last week. So who is this guy? This guy was the head of AT&T, like one of the biggest companies at the time. Like it's like a, the ultimate status job. And he quit his job to go be the first employee of this company, Telligent. And that was the that was the seal of approval in the in the fortune, in the the regular mind world that was okay to walk away from your Procter and Gamble uh, marketing job and go work for uh, Pets.com. And it was from this guy so this guy also was on the first on the when inqtel began when inqtel began they always have their board of advisors Mm -hmm. and he was part of that original 10 advisors and that was the exact same year that he left at&t in new jersey and moved down to virginia which is where intelligent was based upon I somehow get a job as like, you know, a a temp there. I think I'm employee like number like a hundred. It eventually got to like 4,000 and then it completely implodes. Like it was, this guy was on the cover of like Fortune Magazine, like Skull and Bones Fortune Magazine. And it's like the dream team. Like this is how they sell to like that mindset. They're like, 
quit your job and look at these guys. They had jobs like yours. They go and do that. We're going to build this thing. And so this guy wasn't just like the head of AT&T. He was an NQTEL guy. So that was my connection. Um, in hindsight, if you go and you look at the 5G technology and uh, the company Telligent, which imploded, when you read about 5G technology, they say it was tried once before by a company named Telligent. I worked for a company that was like, and my job was literally, this is how I like kind of like made my bones was I was responsible for this project where I had to I had to oversee building one wireless link in 73 different markets uh, in order to keep these FCC licenses, which they got for free. And that eventually became the 5G friggin' network. And when I worked in that company, I was working in the poshest building. Like, you know, the first floor was Tiffany's and, and, and like Hermes and like, like those, like I'm working in that office building and that's right by where May East was, which is the, the, the main interconnection of all of the internet, like the different backbones, they come together there. There was a May East and a May West on the West Coast. And I'm like, what sort of, what sort of bio, like electromagnetic field was like, was I swimming in in that time? But, you know, somehow, somehow that made this. When you were in this position and working with these people, like, were you sensing evil or nefariousness or darkness? No. no. Uh, it's so it's. This is this is me in general. Um, I'm sweet on everyone. Like, I really like people. And so I always I always see. Um, I've been told in the past by by people who know me that I should be smarter about who I let close to me because, like, hey, the, you know, you might not want to let that person that close. And even though I can understand that, I still always see the best. Like, that's just how I am. And, you know, I never think I've gotten burned, but I've certainly been in situations where I'm like, wow, that stung, but maybe that was something for me to learn. You know, that's just my attitude, you know, very kind of like a, a, a surrendering to the Tao sort of thing. So to answer your question. Where is no, your I, Venus? Uh, my Venus Capricorn. Okay. It's also squared Pluto, though. I mean, so that adds a big flavor to it. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and so when I'm there, you know, I'm going to see the best. Mm -hmm. And like those are just people trying to, you know, they're doing what they think they're, they're, they're doing. Yep. Or they're doing the right thing. In, in terms of our, our gonzo parallels, before I was, before I produced the documentary and got the Dow Daging and said, I'm not even playing this game anymore. I was a publicist um, in Hollywood. And similar to you, I made some big jumps pretty quickly. Uh, but I, the evil got to me quite quickly. Like I, I saw the pattern of how it ran and I couldn't take it. My heart I, I, I don't think that my, the, the technology is, is anywhere near evil like the Hollywood. Hollywood industry. Right. So, so that's definitely not like an, an apples to apples comparison too. I don't right. think they're, they're the same people. Like you yeah, were, no, you, were in the, you were in the heart of the darkness. Right. Indeed. Okay. So, um, it was me sniffing around the kind of Incutel Santa Fe Institute thing. And, and, you know, for a long time, Emily and I have been tracking the IDW and as you know, IDW, can you, what, what is that? 
Um, so officially they're the intellectual dark web, but I did promise Amy and Meredith of the Gold Pill podcast that they were the intellectual dork web now. So in dork honor web? of my promise, the intellectual okay. dork web. Um, okay. And as, as I'm guessing, you know, and I'm curious to know how you do it, but in terms of like your research and sniffing out, I'm doing my best to rebrand conspiracy into deep truth just because of how how Certainly. icky that word has become. Right. But I feel like a big part of it, well, and you've already said that this was your superhero quality that the Diagnostic Center honed in on is, is figuring out patterns, right? And sensing right, right. where there's, and just, just, we just, it's just like a feeling of like, mm, something's not really kosher here. I've so, got great instincts. Uh, in, like in the areas where I have good instincts, they're great. I mean, yeah. I don't, not everything is, but yeah, yeah. I can, I, I, I suss things out pretty well. Yeah, and I do as well. And as a journalist, obviously, <laughs> that's that's been one of my superhero powers. Is I have really strong instincts. Um, so in tracking all of this, before Emily Emily and I dropped our first show on it last week, I thought this is too crazy. Like this is too crazy. It's too dark. And the fact that no one else is talking about it, I started to kind of doubt myself. So I reached out to David Martin um, and I sent him a message about it on Facebook. And he was like, we need to talk about this offline. Like this is a conversation. So he and I had a conversation about it and he dropped a bunch of names that I was not familiar with. And in talk, fleshing them out with Emily, she was like, oh, Michael knows these guys. Michael knows these, knows these guys. Who are these people? So I'm hoping you can fill in some of the gaps. So we'll start with John von Neumann. Is that how you say oh, it? I know, yeah, I know John von Neumann. So can you fill us in? And do you, are you aware of him starting the Rio Grande Foundation, which was part of the Santa Fe Institute, which is- well, So will, will you walk me, walk me through, uh, just give me like a, a quick snapshot of the Santa Fe Foundation and the, or the, the two organizations you just mentioned. I'm not, I, I just recognize them as words. So I don't know anything more. Right, okay, so the Santa Fe Institute and I'm also, I'm treading lightly here uh, because Emily and I still have a bunch of shows as we're right. unpacking I, I just like, like, yeah. just give me like the, the 30 second elevator, so, elevator speech so I can put John von Neumann in context. Okay, so they're claiming to be a think tank around complex systems that are touching in on economics, tech, language, uh, mathematics, and that being said, we've tied them to InQtel, to a bunch of DARPA funding, to a lot of weird stuff around, um, and this is gonna be on YouTube as well, around sicknesses and things of that nature. And they started as the Rio Grande Foundation that apparently came out of the Maniac program and the people who are involved in that. Now, this is a lot of this is coming through David. Some of it is on the record. Not all of it is. Okay. Um, I can go is on. Is it still active? Is it a still is? Oh, they're uh, super active. So they're, they're and they began right. as um, you said before. Bef they began as the Rio Grande Foundation. They began as the Rio Grande Foundation in the fifties, and that's what David said came out of the Maniac program and the same people. And as well. They're very tied into the nuke labs here. Okay, okay, okay. And and um, who founded it, or what are some of the people who are associated with the, so, the founder? Let me pull it up. Marie Gelman was one of the guys. I don't All know right. if you've heard of him. He was like a Nobel Prize winning physicist. 
according to hang on let me find their standby you know when you have like 3000 tabs open mm -hmm. okay so founders george cowan david pines sterling colgate Murray Gelman, Nick Metropolis, Herb Sorry. Anderson, Peter Carruthers, and Richard Slansky. Uh, of those, uh, I'm assuming you've looked into each one of those. Who is probably what you would say the most interesting or has like the most obvious sort of bio? So of I've I've done the most research into Murray Gelman and found a lot of crazy stuff there. Emily said that you might have the 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 skinny on Metropolis and know what he was up to. Uh, Metro, the name sounds familiar, but I can't I can't think of it. We could go back to I could speak a lot about John von Neumann, but I was just trying to get like a like a point of reference of some of those people. Like, I, and I'm very visual, so I, I typically need to see the name to for it to to jump out. But the the Nick, um, what was it? It was Nick Metropolis. Metro Metropolis. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a real name, but um, no, not at all. Yeah. And so, so he but, was one who who David Martin put together with John von Neumann as coming out of the the maniac program and carrying that into the Rio Grande Foundation. And what's the maniac program? Well, I was hoping you would know. Okay, some sort of mind control CIA something. Um, okay, there's a Netflix show on it. I mean, have you heard of it? Okay. Do you know no, about no. It? I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't see those things. So, okay, but we can talk. There's enough about John von Neumann. Like that's all we need. We we kind of need uh, to begin with. Um, all roads lead through John von Neumann. All right. So, so when you begin to look at all of the stuff, like the first computer, ENIAC, and like, you know, the Manhattan Project and the maniacs and the like John von Neumann's everywhere. And you read about him. You're like, I love I Wikipedia, like every like major researcher loves to 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 complain about Wikipedia, but it's so good because you know what's allowed to be said, you know it's not I mean it's 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 a good point of reference. So you read the John von Neumann. Uh, Wikipedia page. And I mean, he, on one hand, everything points at him, but then on the other hand, like, there's really not much there. Like, you're like, well, I don't quite understand why he's so spectacular. It kind of reminds me, I don't know if you've ever done much research on the, the, the esoteric nature of Francis Bacon, like everything goes through Francis Bacon, you know, father of the scientific method and the leader of the new world. And the, the, so he kind of has a little bit of that quality in my mind. Ben Franklin's another one of these people in history who like all roads lead through. Mm -hmm. um, but what makes me so intrigued, and it's all the things which you're just talking about, like as you described, as you described the Santa Fe Institute, and without a doubt, Santa Fe has been on my map, my Santa Fe has been on my map of interest intuitively and in like like instinctively. I know there's something in Santa Fe, like way before any, anything else, I knew that I had to get to Santa Fe. And then as I've learned more, I'm more certain, but I still have no idea for what, for what purpose. I just know that there's a, a very, very strong sense there. Um, have you been here? No. Okay. No, I haven't. I mean, I've been to Arizona. 
Arizona and Colorado, that's the closest in that part of the world, which I have any sort of like physical feet on the ground. I've never had my feet on the ground, like in, in uh, I guess that'd be West Texas or, or New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so Santa Fe, there's definitely, there's a there there. Um, but what, and what you said about the organization, like it's all that, it's all the synthanasia of all of these different systems. Like if there's a, the, what I'm, it just escaped me. What's the word which they use? Cybernetics. So cybernetics is the study of systems, Mm -hmm. systems within systems and feedback loops. And that is like the basis of a lot of, or maybe even all of our our computer science. Mm -hmm. The cybernetics movement, and particularly when you read about it in the 20s and the 30s, like it should like make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, but it also there's this parallel between cybernetics and permaculture because they're both based upon the same understanding of systems within systems and being able to move energy and feedback loops and how to manage things. So there. There, there's, there's, there's a correspondence between the two. And ultimately, like when you look at the whole cybernetics and all of that sort of stuff and all of the computers, like beginning from the very, very beginning, like it's always ultimately been about the blending of the human being with, with, the, with the computer and whether that's to merge, to be one or to be completely controlled by one. I think it's the merging was, was what I came down to. Like, that has been it since day one. And the person who is everywhere in making this happen is John, the new man. Like this is part of, this is part of like the NLP weaving of like what's happening. So when you see John von Neumann, like that's how they like to pronounce it, John von Neumann. Um, yeah, like it's like, I was he a real guy? Was he like, this This also fits in, we could talk about James Shelby Downard, if you know who that is. Like, he's another one of these people, like you don't even know if it's real or not. It, it almost gathers this, and MK Ultra is another one. They're all the same. They they have this egregore quality that just the idea that we, we as witnesses begin to observe it, like it gets, it really does become a thing. And that is part of, or the conclusion I've made is part of like what fuels these like actual organizations and these actual movements that began as these like very, very abstract thoughts. But like, you know, somehow you're supposed, they're they're trying to have you believe that sticks and rocks and water like mixed up made my, my smartphone. It's all the same material, but apparently that's what happened. And it began with this like very, very, like I would call like magical practices of like taking these ideas and making them manifest through stuff like this. Like this is how it works. And that's why the permaculture, the permaculture, Uh, link is so significant because that's where it links into the natural world like everything is a is a an inversion of something that's true so like you know go back and you look at the truth and that's also how you move through it or at least that's what I think is is the the easy the easy way of finding the path through it Mm -hmm. I'm I'm having so many thoughts so I'm I'm just going to go in reverse order and take it back to John von Neumann um, and crazy that that's his name, New Man, yeah. when all, all the roads that, the tendrils that lead off of him lead us to this transhumanist 
merging. That's how it works. That's kind of crazy. And when, when you mentioned Francis Bacon, like I have always wondered, was this person even real? Like with, with all the things that come off of it. And then today with all this insane hysteria around Roe versus Wade and how I've been tracking for the past at least nine years, how this was completely created through hysteria, through fear. And I can recall like getting into fights with my last normie bo boyfriend where I was like, never again, never again, dating a normie who's steeped in this culture and how he used to like fear monger around Roe versus Wade being overturned. And I was like, it's so ridiculous that you would say that, but the more you talk about it, you are creating that. And watching today being the culmination of, of that little narrative. I mean, if, um, you were, if you were to think about what would be the worst boogeyman stories, like imagine like the normal person who has a certain like, like, you know, they, they have a parroted mindset of these are the things that I should be concerned about. And these are the things. And then they're like, they're poking them. I mean, it's the ultimate gaslight. It is so friggin' nuts. It's like, as soon as you thought you could start like relaxing about Ukraine, now you got this one. And it's like, you know, there's not enough, there are not enough sticks to make signs to put in people's front yards to say what they stand for. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's so ridiculous at this point. Like, I can't even, there's nothing in me to get riled. It's just like distraction That's A, it. distraction that, you B. Just named it. You just named it right there. There's nothing left to get riled. Like, that's the out. That's literally like, you know, the collapse of it all is like, it's going to get to the point where it's like, there, there's really nothing left. Like, I, I just don't care. Yeah. It's, it's none of it, it, and they're all going to, they're going to have to come the, to that. So <laughs> only way. Do but okay, go back. You asked a great question. You're asking me, ask me a question. I want to hear where we're going. But wait, hold up. Do you think that they will? When you say they're going to have to come to that, obviously meaning our fellow humans, do you think our fellow humans are going to snap out of this? So, all right. One of the things which, which I learned over the past two and a half years or however long it's been is the people that I thought would see through it did not. And the people who I thought would, would, would not see through it did. And so I realized like, I don't know what anyone's going to do, like as much as I thought. So I don't know what's going to happen, but what, uh, what I do think is whether it's like there, this is a separation and like certain people, like that's how the realm works. And we just start starting to see the world so differently. Like it's, it's, we're going to go, we're not going to see each other. Like you don't see radio signals and different frequencies or whether um, everyone dies or whether everyone like puts Google glasses. I don't know, but there's going to have to be like a separation. Like the world is, it's going in different places. And so if you're going to go to the place, at least where I'm going to be, like in order to get there, you're going to have to go and wake up. Like if not, they're going to keep on telling you those stories. They're going to keep on giving you boosters. They're going to keep on doing all this stuff until, you know, there's no more. Check out my website, dannycats.com. As well, track all of my latest content on my Locals page, dannycats.locals.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you soon, tribe.